Hi, welcome to Bookie, which unlock big ideas from world bestsellers in audio, text, and mind map. Please download Bookie at Apple Store or Google Play with more features, get your free mind snack now. Today we will unlock the book, How to Avoid a Climate Disaster, The Solutions We Have and the Breakthroughs We Need. Do you know how long the carbon dioxide emitted today will remain in the atmosphere? A day? A year? 20% of the carbon dioxide emitted today will still be there in 10,000 years. Some people might respond indifferently, so what if carbon dioxide remains in the atmosphere? Just leave it there, what does it matter? It matters because carbon dioxide is a greenhouse gas which generates a greenhouse effect, causing the Earth's temperature to rise, leading to climate anomalies such as melting ice caps and rising sea levels. Worse still, carbon dioxide is only one culprit of the greenhouse effect. Methane, the main component of natural gas, produces 120 times the warming of carbon dioxide. Statistics show that the yearly global emissions of various greenhouse gases are already as high as 51 billion tons, and still trending upward. We have no choice but to confront the gravity of this historic problem and seek solutions. This book attempts to provide some. The author of this book is a household name, not because of his work on climate issues, but because of his enormous personal wealth. Bill Gates is the founder of Microsoft and former richest man in the world. He stepped down from running the company's day-to-day -day activities in 2008 to focus on his philanthropic projects through the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. The foundation is dedicated to addressing education in the United States as well as global health and development. Gates' initial focus was solving poverty by providing the poor with cheap, reliable energy and affordable fertilizer. It was after a meeting with two of his former colleagues at Microsoft who had founded a non-profit for energy and climate issues, that Gates came to appreciate the urgency of the climate crisis. Gates realized that while the global community need come together to eliminate poverty, solutions must not come at the cost of more greenhouse gas emissions. After coming to understand the significance of the climate problem, Gates began to learn everything related to the subject by reading climate reports, visiting experts in the fields of energy, agriculture, ocean and electricity, and investing in green energy industries. He called on institutions and governments to take action and work towards zero emissions. He wrote this book to document his research on climate issues and help us understand the seriousness of the problem. Do we save ourselves or wait for destruction? The future of humanity depends on our actions. Next, we will discuss the contents of the book in three parts. Part 1, Solving the Climate Problem is a Daunting and Urgent Task. Part 2, To Avoid a Climate Disaster, We Need to Take Action Now. Part 3, What We Can Do in the Face of Climate Change. Part 1, Solving the Climate Problem is a Daunting and Urgent Task. If the weather forecast tells us that the temperature today is 1 degree higher than yesterday, can we feel the change in temperature when we stand outside? Probably not. However, if the global average temperature changes by 1 degree, can we notice the difference? Yes. A change in global average temperature of even a few degrees Celsius would have a huge impact on the global environment. The average global temperature in the last ice age was only 6 degrees lower than it is now. Throughout the dinosaur age, the climate was so warm that crocodiles could survive in the Arctic, but the average global temperature then was only 4 degrees higher than it is today. High temperatures can lead to an increase in the number of unusually hot days. 
Let's look at Albuquerque, New Mexico, where Microsoft was founded. In the mid-1970s, the early days of Microsoft, the region had an average of about 36 hot days per year, or days in which the temperature exceeded 90 degrees Fahrenheit. By the middle of the 21st century, this number is expected to be twice as high. By the end of the 21st century, the number may reach 114 and local residents will suffer from the heat for a much longer period of time. High temperatures also bring about knock-on effects, such as storms that become increasingly violent. In 2017, Puerto Rico's infrastructure was set back about 20 years due to Hurricane Maria. Strong storms also bring about a strange feast or famine situation where people alternate between having too much and too little. This refers to the fact that while some places are plagued by floods, others are experiencing major droughts. In both cases, crops suffer as they are either drowned or dried out, and the rest destroyed by pests. Under these extreme conditions, the people who depend on agriculture for a living are forced to work in cities, which may result in social instability. One such case occurred in Syria, which experienced the worst drought in its history from 2007 to 2010, and 1.5 million people were displaced from their homes. They traveled to the cities seeking work, and the demographic and social consequences of this large internal migration set the stage for the massive civil conflict that began in Syria in 2011. We already know that global temperature increase will bring disaster to humanity, and that the culprit is greenhouse gases. The main greenhouse gases are carbon dioxide, nitrous oxide and methane, with carbon dioxide being the most common. They trap heat from the sun within the Earth's atmosphere in a way analogous to glass in a greenhouse, hence the name. The more greenhouse gases there are, the more heat is captured, and the higher the temperature of the Earth will be. This is a phenomenon known as the greenhouse effect. If we don't do something about it, the average global temperature will rise by 4 to 8 degrees Celsius by the end of the 21st century. Is the mere reduction of greenhouse gas emissions enough to prevent global warming? Gates says no. We need to curb greenhouse gas emissions and ultimately reduce them to zero. Gates compares the climate to a bathtub and greenhouse gases to water. Emitting greenhouse gases into the atmosphere is like filling a bathtub with water. As long as we keep filling the bathtub with water, it doesn't matter how fast or slow we fill it, sooner or later the bathtub will be full and the water will spill out of it. Even there were only a small amount of greenhouse gases emitted into the atmosphere, it would still eventually cause a noticeable greenhouse effect. The only way we can stop global warming is to achieve zero greenhouse gas emissions. It is important to note that zero emissions doesn't mean zero in the literal sense, but rather net zero emissions. Until the mid-19th century, Earth's carbon cycle was essentially in balance, meaning that the amount of carbon dioxide absorbed by plants and other things on Earth was roughly equal to the amount of carbon dioxide that was emitted into the atmosphere. In the mid-19th century, humanity began using fossil fuels and emitting more carbon dioxide into the atmosphere, thereby causing an imbalance in Earth's carbon cycle. However, it is unrealistic to think that humans will immediately stop using fossil fuels. Gates points out that while we may still need to emit greenhouse gases in the near term, we must find a way to remove them in the long term. Unfortunately, achieving this goal is exceedingly difficult. The primary reason is that the production process of many basic items that we need in our daily lives produces greenhouse gases. The bread we eat for breakfast is made from grains grown with fertilizer, 
and the process of producing fertilizer releases greenhouse gases. The clothes we wear may be made of cotton, and the process of growing and picking cotton likewise cannot be done without fertilizers and machines. They may, conversely, be made of synthetic fibers of which the raw material is petroleum, and that production process also produces greenhouse gases. Many of the houses we live in are built with reinforced concrete, and the creation of these building materials also emits greenhouse gases. The transportation and manufacturing of the machines we just mentioned also leads to the emission of greenhouse gases. Fossil fuels are everywhere, and we can't live, eat, or travel without them. We can't simply stop using fossil fuels immediately and go back to primitive living. History shows us that it can take a long time to transition from one energy source to another. Prior to the use of fossil fuels, man's main sources of energy were his own muscles, the strength of animals and the energy obtained by burning plants. It took a long time for oil to become a significant part of man's energy supply. Half a century after the advent of its use, oil made up only 10% of the world's energy and it took another 30 years to reach 25%. Clearly, it is going to require a lot of effort to replace it. Regardless of the difficulties ahead of us, we must prevail for the sake of mankind's future. There are a number of plans and projects we can undertake to reach zero greenhouse gas emissions, but how do we evaluate their effectiveness and viability? To do this, there are a few principles we need to understand. First, we ought to focus on the proportion of emission reductions, rather than on numerical values, which may be misleading. For example, we mentioned that our goal is to reduce greenhouse gas emissions from 51 billion tons per year to zero, in this case, even a scheme that promises to reduce emissions by as large a figure as 17 million tons per year would have, as a percentage, a negligible impact of 0.03%. Clearly, the effect of this reduction measure would not be enough. If a technology can only reduce emissions by less than 1%, it is not worth the resources invested and we need to divert those resources into something better. Second, we should consider the space required for different energy sources. Some energy sources, being less efficient, take up more space than others. Since the world has finite land resources, we cannot focus only on whether energy sources are clean. Solar power, for example, produces 5 to 20 watts of electricity per square meter, while wind power only provides 1 to 2 watts per square meter. This fact does not necessarily mean that solar is superior to wind energy, but simply that the area occupied by an energy source is a factor we should also consider. Finally, we need to focus on cost. Gates introduces the concept of green premiums, which are the difference in price between clean energy and traditional energy. For example, the average price of domestic jet fuel in the United States is $2.22 per gallon, and the average price of advanced biofuels that can replace it is $5.35 per gallon. Here, the green premium between these fuels amounts to $3.13. A high premium indicates that the new energy sources are costly, which may prevent their large-scale implementation. Of course, some new energy sources with low premiums may not be widely used either. This may be due to policy issues that we can target once we identify the causes. This is the end of part 1 of this bookie. Solving the climate problem is a daunting and urgent task. Global warming will bring about a series of catastrophes, unless we face the problems posed by greenhouse gases and succeed in achieving net-zero emissions. There are two major difficulties in achieving this goal. 
First, we cannot live without fossil fuels. Second, it will take a long time to replace traditional energy sources. Nevertheless, we must move forward in the face of these difficulties and keep in mind criteria useful to fully evaluate the pros and cons of various solutions. Today we are just sharing limited content. To unlock more key insights of world-class bestseller, please download our app. Just search for B-O-O-K-E-Y at Apple Store or Google Play, get your free mind snack now.